Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. Mike's off. He's enjoying his birthday. Keith Baldry is with us for Baldry's Beat. It was a pleasure to get an opportunity to talk things through with you, Keith. As always, thanks for doing this. Hey, I don't get my birthday off. I don't know how Smitty was able to score that. <laughs> it was a very last-minute thing. I got I got the call, and and I got the, Sarah Hyde, our executive producer, said, you know what? He's going to be thrilled. It's his birthday. So I'm I'm working it in as often as I can here. Well, happy birthday to Mike. His- there you go. We'll flood his email inboxes and his Twitter feed uh, with some positivity. It's been a hard news cycle yet again. Like it feels like the hits just keep coming, certainly with regard to what we're seeing with gun violence, mass shootings south of the border in the United States. And I do want to start here with you, Keith, because there, I'm a huge Jimmy Kimmel fan. I mm-hmm. record Jimmy Kimmel. I don't stay up late enough to watch it live, but I record it and I watch it. And, and the poignant... Uh, monologue that he did before his audience arrived uh, for the show, I guess it would be night before last on the mm-hmm. day of the, the horrifying happenings in Texas. So I just want to play a, a couple of clips here and then, then we can talk about it a little bit. Here's Jimmy Kimmel uh, referencing the uh, mass shooting at the elementary school in Texas. Here we are again on another day of mourning in this country. Once again, we grieve for the uh, little boys and girls whose lives have been ended and whose families have been destroyed while our, our leaders on the right warn us not to politicize this. And politicized it is, and that's where I want our conversation to go because he also referenced Ted Cruz, who will be speaking this coming weekend at an, at an NRA event. Uh, but, but Kimmel is, is, is trying to find the humanity within the politics. Have a listen to this. I don't believe Ted Cruz doesn't care about children. I don't. I I refuse to believe he's unaffected by this. He's a father. I bet he went to bed sick to his stomach last night. It's easy to call someone a monster, but he's not a monster. He's a human being. And some people might not like hearing me say that, but it's true. So here's the thing I would like to say to Ted Cruz, the human being. It's okay to admit you made a mistake. In fact, it's not just okay. It's necessary to admit you made a mistake when your mistake is killing the children in your state. So, Keith, when it comes to the politicization of this and, and the fact that we all definitely, once, whenever there is a mass shooting and they're happening all too often, we have the conversation about gun control in the United States in particular. And the politi- politicization piece of it. Can you unpack that from your perspective, well, your I, learned perspective? Unfortunately, the conversation seems to be the same one every time. Um, there's yeah. two solitudes in the states. There's those who, I mean, Ted Cruz is is using this as an opportunity to advocate even o- more open gun laws. Uh, his solution is to have one door into a school and have everyone go through that door and, and go through armed guards at the door. That is, that's his solution. Rather than banning or restricting uh, the access to uh, high-powered weapons, uh, they just, again, two solitudes that don't talk to each other on any number of issues. Guns is one of them. Abortion is another. Uh, civil rights is another. Uh, again, this is a country I've often said, and other other noted historians have said, this is a country that's never stopped fighting its civil war, and it's very much divided. And these these shootings, as tragic as they are, are not 
bringing the two sides together. They're keep they're even keeping them even further apart. So this, the conversation we're having now, or we're seeing south of the border right now, is the same conversation that took place after Sandy Hook, after the Sandy right. Hook massacre. It's the same conversation that took place after Columbine. It's the same conversation that took after, took place after the Las Vegas massacre. Uh, these shootings occur with alarming regularity in one only one country in the entire world, and that's the United States. And they refuse to change the conversation, uh, and one side will not give in to the other, uh, and and we go on. There will be another school shooting for sure. There will be another massacre for sure in in the days and weeks and months ahead. No one knows when, but you can count on it happening because it's happened with regularity for so long in that country and that country alone. The only country who, that has this level of mass gun violence and refusing to address that. It's, and it, 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 it sparks the debates. And, and like you said, we have the same conversation over and over again. But I'd like to punctuate this here till next time. Uh, the fact that Ireland had a mass shooting, banned guns, and hasn't had one since. Australia had a mass shooting, banned guns and has not had a mass shooting since. Scotland, like there Scotland, are examples. Yeah. Scotland is another. Yeah, there are examples of if you, if you stop access to firearms without significant background checks and balances for the responsible gun owner, because that absolutely a responsible gun owner exists. But, I mean, therein lies that conversation. Let's move forward now. Um, let's go to the Trudeau. We'll, we'll come closer, ever closer back to local here. Trudeau uh, uh, and the protests when he was in BC. Let's let's have a listen to our Prime Minister address what happened uh, when he was in BC earlier this week in town uh, and, and, and was met with, with disruption and, and, and hateful rhetoric. I was glad to be able to, uh, to be there virtually, but the safety of Canadians choosing to make their voices heard in politics should never be in question as it was last night and as we're increasingly seeing across the country. Nobody should uh, feel endangered or harassed because of their support for one political party or another. And yet we see it escalating so greatly, Keith. Yeah, so this is an event, a fundraiser in Surrey that was primarily a South Asian audience, a racialized uh, community. Uh, Trudeau was met with, uh, and people there were met with racist slurs and hateful uh, threats. And it's just, again, um, I hate to say it's a sign of the times. Perhaps it is a sign of the times, but this is not an isolated incident. There is a racist element associated with some of these really threatening, aggressive protests, primarily at Justin Trudeau, but not necessarily solely at him. And it's a disturbing element that's emerged in our society. We've seen it associated with the elements of the truck convoy, and there's going to be people phoning in and saying, well, one bad apple doesn't spoil the bunch. Well, one, more than one bad apple has spoiled a big bunch. And I've seen it at the the protest rallies of the legislature that occur every Saturday. They haven't occurred for the last couple of weeks. I've watched them from a bit, from afar, and look at the signs and hear the rhetoric. And it's hang Trudeau, uh, hate Trudeau, kill Trudeau. Uh, the fact that this is just now commonplace in some of these protests is, is actually very disturbing. And so the incident uh, in Surrey is really disturbing that people were able to show up uh, hurl racist insults at the crowd and the prime minister, and basically convince the security of the prime minister to say this is not a dang- this is too dangerous a situation. You're going to have to do this virtually. That's almost unheard of in Canada, but unfortunately, it's not unheard of. The, we call in the election campaign the same element of people throwing rocks at Trudeau. 
if you remember that, and throwing rocks at, report, rocks at reporters. Yeah. Uh, these yeah. people threaten Trudeau. They threaten the establishment. They threaten the media. They threaten politicians. They threaten Jugmeet Singh in Peterborough on the election campaign last week, where he was met with the same racist tirade from these people. Awful. Uh, it's, Awful. it's absolutely disgusting. And unfortunately, it's not going away. Um, it does pop up from time to time, and these people allow their visceral hatred of one thing, in this case it seems to be Mr. Trudeau, um, to also expand and to include racist uh, rhetoric. And this is a very unfortunate situation that happened in Surrey, but I'm, again, I will predict it will happen again. All right, let's move ever closer to home. I know this is going to be a hot one on our phones when we take your calls in the next break. Melanie Mark, uh, of course, the uh, the MLA of Tourism, Arts, Culture and Sport, uh, Vancouver, Mount Pleasant, um, was speaking about the recognizing the fact that a $789 million price tag on a rebuild of the Royal Museum is steep. Have a listen. Yeah, I recognize that $789 million may seem a lot for a capital project. I recognize that people are struggling right now with quality of life. A billion dollars is being invested into childcare. Record levels of investment are being built and invested into housing. Record levels of investment are being invested into our healthcare system. This is a capital project to protect our shared collective history. What are you hearing from people since the announcement of this first came down? $789 million, almost a billion dollars, and not completed until, what, 2030, Mm -hmm. the Royal Museum uh, in Victoria. The rebuild, I guess, on the same product. What has the reaction been to you in your inbox? What have you heard from from those around you? Nothing but bad stuff. So I actually live, uh, the museum's about... 200 yards from where I am right now, the legislature. It's in sort of in my neighborhood where I live. So the big shock for local residents in Victoria is not necessarily the price tag. It's the fact that this thing is going to be closed for eight years. This is a real major uh, attraction in Victoria for both tourists and residents. Uh, people who live in Victoria take their kids to the museum probably once or twice or three times a year. Uh, it's a big deal of many people's, uh, many families' existence in the capital. And the fact that it's going to be closed for eight years, and they still haven't really provided a, a coherent reason why that is, uh, has shocked people more than the price tag. But then you throw the price tag on top of that, and you frame that price tag. Unfortunately for the government, it's being framed already against, wait a minute, look how many schools in Victoria alone are, are, are in worse condition when it comes to seismic upgrading situations than the museum. Why don't the schools go first? Why don't some of the aging health facilities get money on the capital uh, expenditure side to improve their safety of those facilities when it comes to seismic upgrading? Why should the museum go first? So Melanie Mark makes the argument we have to protect our culture, which is it's absolutely true. But uh, again, she says it's not a plus, uh, plus or minus situation. It's a plus plus situation. But for many people out there, it's not a plus plus situation. They want their schools no. to be made safe. They want their hospitals to be made safe, over and above a museum being made safe. So the government's dug itself an enormous hole here, and yesterday's announcement did very little to get itself out of it. Jody Vance in for Mike Smith, Keith Baldry, Baldry's beat, uh, Keith's legislative bureau chief, of course, for Global BC, taking your calls now. No surprise, Keith, with uh, the conversation being the mass shootings in the U.S. to the prime minister having to pull the plug on an event and do it virtually due to protests and, and some horrifying 
levels of hate speech. And and then also the $789 million price tag on the Royal Museum in Victoria. Like I said, no surprise that our phone lines are lit up. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 is the number. We're going to dive right in here with Keith Baldry. Mike and Surrey, you're up first. Oh, great. Uh, first off, uh, we just celebrated Queen Victoria's birthday on Monday, and now we're celebrating Mike's today with his day off. So I might take the rest of the day off uh, and celebrate his birthday. <laughs> I like uh, but, but my comment on the, uh, on the museum, so I, I'm somebody who takes all my Alberta relatives, and we go to Victoria, and we go to the museum. And the age group has ranged over the years to little kids, to big kids. They love the museum. They love the woolly mammoth. They like sticking their hands in and touching the starfish. We have a great museum in Victoria. So first off, I think it's a crime if they shut that place down for eight years. I think that's just far too much. There's not a lot of stuff in Victoria where you could take a family and do that kind of thing. There's just not that much. The other one that I'm a little more worried about is I'm concerned that the government, and I may not be popular saying this, they're going to use the Aboriginal issues as a minesweeper. And what that does, the people are tend to back off. If their Aboriginal issues are there, reconciliation, we all believe in it. We all think it's important. But it can't be the, uh, the be-all, end-all to make something happen. That would be all to end-all to stop, uh, stop the conversation. And I'm a little concerned that that could happen. And my daughter last night, she said to me, she said, I'm not sure I can take my kids to, uh, to, to the museum if it becomes a reconciliation center of some sort because... How do you tell little kids that uh, there's children in a schoolyard uh, that have been buried uh, there and they don't know who they are? That's very tough on children. So even even the Aboriginal portion of it has to be really well thought out before they do it. So I think there's a lot of issues here. But first off, the most important one is that's a great museum. Let's try to keep it open as long as we possibly can. Let's get creative with how we do it. Keep a floor open or something. And also maybe be careful of how we go forward with the Aboriginal issues. I think it might be could be a bit of a challenge going forward for people to uh, to complain. Yep. Sorry, that's all. Thanks, Mike. So a that's couple th- couple things. There's going to be parts of the museum. Um, the museum has seven million artifacts, if you can believe it, but only about one percent of them are on display. Um, so some some of the one percent is going to be will be traveling to different locations. I'm not sure the woolly mammoth is going to travel, but there will be elements of the museum that will travel to other community centers or museums in the years ahead. Although they have not made any details clear about that, still haven't explained why this museum has to close when construction doesn't begin for four years. There does have to be packing up the exhibits, but it's unclear why that packing can't be done while the while the museum continues to to stay open. So yesterday's I got the sense, Jody, after hearing yesterday's uh, technical briefing by the civil servants involved here, that this went through a bureaucratic process, but did not go through a political lens. Uh, where it's one thing to say yeah, we've got an aging building that needs repairs or needs to be replaced, and it's a very complex situation, but not to frame it against the political realities where the public wasn't brought along uh, with this thing over time. This was just sprung on the public. It was sprung on everyone without any groundwork being made. Why can't it be built somewhere else in that community? Why that location? Why does it have to be that well, the, the according to them, it would be even more expensive to go to a new location. I mean, land is expensive in the capital as well as metro. So that's that's just a, it's a very complicated issue, but it's blown up in the government's face, and I'm not sure how they undo this. 
Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be more transparent because it just doesn't add up to seven hundred and eighty-nine million dollars and eight years. Twenty thirty. Yeah, exactly. no, Keith Baldry. You know what? We have so many people on the line, and we're out of time. Say hi to them. Until next me. time, my friend. All right, Thank bye-bye. you.